It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Welcome to everyone listening today. God bless you all. What faith am I defending and commending? The Christian faith of course. I want the audience to realize one of the reasons why I'm doing this program is because I happen to think Christianity is true. In dealing with Christian believers, I do presuppose this tenet that Christianity is true. But in dealing with unbelievers, I do not presuppose the truth of Christianity but treat it as a hypothesis to be tested by a deductive argument. Probably, we all have heard the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's found in Matthew 7, verse 12. But you may have overlooked, as I did, the imperative contained therein. Let me read it from the New King James Version of the Bible. Therefore, whatever you want men to do for you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So if you have a want, a desire, a need, this passage enjoins you to supply that need for others. That want, desire, need is an indication of what God wants your ministry to be for others. If you have a desire to have friends, then be friends with someone else. If you want someone to express appreciation for something you did, begin to express appreciation to someone else. If you want someone say your spouse or child, to express affection to you, start by showing affection to them. If you have a need that can be fulfilled by someone, fulfill that need for someone else. Years ago, I had a need for someone to defend the Christian faith from objections by skeptics. So I began to prepare to do the same for someone else. This program is the outgrowth of that preparation. In the last episode of Defending and Commending the Faith, I began giving a bird's eye view of 12 points of an argument to show that Christianity is true. The 12 points are crucial steps in the argument. The details are to give proper warrants to the truth of the separate points. I will go into the details of the points in later episodes, but here I am only giving an overview. I have discussed three of the points so far, so I will repeat them without comment 
and then proceed to the other points. First, truth about reality is knowable. Second, the opposite of true is false. This is axiomatic. Third, it is true that a theistic God exists. There are likely multitudes of implications that come out of a theistic view of God. I list four that deal with the nature of God himself, the nature of creation, the nature of God's activity, and the refutation of non-theistic views. First implication. God is both beyond and in the world. According to theism, God is not the universe, but is beyond it, greater than it, and transcendent over it. The universe is finite, limited, and contingent, and God is infinite, unlimited, and necessary in the sense that God is a being that cannot not be. Further, God is in the universe in the sense that God is eminently present as the sustaining cause of the universe. In short, God's relation to the universe is analogous with a painter's relation to his painting. The painter is beyond the painting because he is the cause of it. However, one drawback to this analogy, the painter can walk away from the painting once it is finished, but God remains as the sustaining cause of the universe. Second implication. Theism holds that the universe is dependent on God for its existence. He created it. Traditionally, this doctrine has been called by the Latin phrase ex nihilo, or out of nothing, meaning there would have been nothing unless God had made something. The doctrine stresses the contingency of everything other than God. God alone is a necessary being. The theist doctrine is that God did not create the universe out of himself, that's called ex dio, as in pantheism, or out of pre-existing stuff, that's called uh, ex hules, but out of nothing, ex nihilo. Supernaturalism is a third implication of theism. God can act supernaturally in the world, The naturalist and the materialist believe that the universe and nature is a closed box with everything explained by natural cause and effect. The whole show, so to speak. But the theist believes there is a supernatural realm beyond the universe And the universe and nature is an open system operating by natural law most of the time, but open to intervention by God. It follows that God can intervene any time he chooses. This intervention in the universe is called a miracle. The fourth implication from point three is any non-theistic view must be false. 
This follows since the opposite of true is false, point two, and a theistic God exists, point three, in addition, at most one of the three theistic world religions, either Judaism, Christianity, or Islam, can meet the established bar of truth. Moreover, these three religions cannot all be true because they make mutually exclusive claims. Let's proceed then to point four of the 12 points that show Christianity is true. Once we have demonstrated by argument that a theistic God exists, then miracles are possible. If there is a God who can act, then there can be acts of God. The only way to show that miracles are impossible is to, to disprove the existence of God. The Bible is replete with miracles. From the creation of the universe to the second coming of Christ. From Moses at the burning bush to Daniel in the lion's den. From the division of the waters of the Red Sea to Jesus turning water to wine. From manna coming down from heaven six days per week for 40 years in the wilderness. To Jesus multiplying five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 people from the virgin birth to the resurrection and his ascension back to heaven, miraculous events fill the pages of Scripture. Evangelical theology is built on the supernatural. Without it, historical Christianity would collapse. The Apostle Paul wrote, quotes, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. End quotes. That's found in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 14 through 18. But some say miracles are not possible. The 17th century philosopher Benedict de Spinoza believed that miracles were acts that are violations of natural laws. David Hume, the skeptical Scottish ph philosopher, defined a miracle as a transgression of a natural law. The German theologian Friedrich Schleiermacher the father of modern liberal theology, was known for his attempt to reconcile the criticisms of the Enlightenment with traditional Protestant Christianity. He reinterpreted the Christian faith to make it palatable to supernatural deniers. Naturalists, materialists, and deists deny the reality of miracles. Rather than attempting to answer their objections, Schleiermacher voluntarily gave up theological ground and tried to eliminate inconvenient obstacles to Christianity. The theology that descended from Schleiermacher presented a Christianity largely empty of miracles and the supernatural. This points out the necessity 
of a proper definition of a miracle. Before a miracle can be identified, to say nothing of verified, it must be defined. There is no way to find a miracle unless we know for what we are looking. Theologians have defined miracles in two different ways. Historically, miracles have been defined in either a weak sense or a strong sense. Following St. Augustine, some describe a miracle in a weak sense as a portent that is not contrary to nature, but contrary to our knowledge of nature. The problem with this view of miracle is that the event might not be supernatural at all. Others, following Thomas Aquinas, define miracle in the strong sense of an event that is beyond nature's power to produce that only a supernatural power God can do. In this sense, a miracle is a divine intervention into the natural world. Geisler says it this way, a miracle is a divine intervention in the natural world that produces an event that would not have resulted from purely natural causes. I prefer to word it in this manner. When God intervenes in his creation, he does not violate the laws of nature, but rather supersedes them with a higher supernatural manifestation of his purpose. The forces of nature are not obliterated or suspended, but counteracted by a force superior to the powers of nature. For example, the law of gravity is superseded by the Bernoulli principle of lift when a plane takes off the ground. The laws of nature are merely observations of uniformity, constancy, or regularity of nature. The laws of nature are not forces that initiate action. They simply describe the way nature behaves when its course is not affected by superior power. God, on the other hand, is not prohibited from taking action when he so pleases. Spinoza and Hume have stacked the deck against miracles by their definitions. Their definitions made it easy to give an erroneous argument that miracles do not exist. Spinoza, for example, built into his definition of miracle his own pantheistic view that God is the universe. If the supernatural is identical to nature, then there is nothing beyond nature to intervene. If miracles are impossible, then the Bible is useless because it is riddled with miracles. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.